You didn't have a voice. I when talk. Yes. But you can always you can always you can pray. I was thinking about that the other day, you know, the you know, how to pray and people talk about, you know, should you speak out loud? And I think it's okay sometimes, but most times I, I just in my mind or maybe my mouth is moving a little bit. But typically it's just a silent prayer. But sometimes I do. If I get really and I'm usually by myself, I try to be <laughs> so nuts. Then yes, I will. And obviously corporate prayer and the prayer we just did before Bible study is audible. What the heck? You know CNN Penn, the Penn Educators watch like this for two years? Yeah. They just released the last one of the decade. Oh man. It would be kind of cool to watch what happened on your, like, on my actual birthday if they had the yeah. new 10 minute and news clip. Like yeah, yeah, that so year and all that. And they do it every day. And on the Friday, they play a really sad end song. And I'm like, they just played the sad one for the end. I'm like, ah! That's it. It's over. It's not over. They're going to come back in like four <coughs> weeks. Oh, the first of the year? Dad, let me tell you something. What? Did you buy something else? Yes. Ugh, Grace. Is there ever a day that goes by? She bought Christmas presents today. No, those are nice. This is a little, I don't even want to feel that. Come here. Ugh. I like the music. It won't come yeah, out. Yeah, it looks like fun. There we go. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah, that looks nasty. It's, it's like not because they have little foil pieces in it, see? Ugh. It's more of that gel stuff you like. I love it. All right, there you go. It was $5. That's $5 you'll never get back. I know, right? Yeah. And it's worth it. Is that one Ingram or is that? No. I would not get for something good. <laughs> what? You bought her one. Yeah, I know. It's somewhere. You, oh, I gave it to Yeah. Oh, I want to show yeah, the person I got out of for person. Yeah. I did everybody's Christmas today, basically. All right. You got it done, huh? So we, we do it easy. We do <laughs> yeah. cards and money. Well, we don't yeah. even have to leave the house. Go to the bank once. Will you order those pins? Those, and I'll pay you for those, too. What <laughs> pins? Hang on. I'm trying to get it back in there. No, I'll, we'll take care of that on our own. It'll be fine. No, that's the, fine. Part of the uh, the <laughs> erasable pins? Reservable pens. Yeah, I already, I already, it's already good. Oh. We're taking care of it. Okay. It's not, it's like $5 what they are. and I, They're not much. They're, you know, remember the eraser mates? Where's the purse? It's just right around the corner, I think. In the you remember eraser mates? Yeah. It's like that. Well, I found them at, at Target. They were pencils. Yeah, they have pens. Erasable pens, I yeah, saw them. Look at this thing I got. I go through, she likes her weird fashion. I saw it today, oh, and I yeah. just, like, it's a bunny. Yeah. She was, she was very happy. It doesn't look like it'll fit much, but... Well, yeah, but it's not for practicality. It's for looking cool. Uh, it's for looking cool. Yeah. It's an accessory. Yeah. Like a lap dog. They had a bunch of beads there, but they were desperately overpriced, and half of them looked like glass. Why don't you just give him Hunter? And um, Grandma, and your girl, you're like, they are so good quality, and they're so priced well. And as soon as we walked away, I was like, Grandma, I bet half of those were glass and painted. I mean, I know they look pretty amazing. It's just because I usually go on Amazon because if there are less options, it usually means they're probably better because mass qual mass like mass production usually doesn't mean good quality. Oh, show them your bags though. Bag? That you got to put your bracelets in for get when you sell them. I'm looking for the bag. That was one good thing. Oh, yeah? I don't know where it went. I mean, it's probably in the car. Come here. Well, you should show it to me later on the way home. Yeah, we're going to get into this, and then afterwards you can show me, okay? Just give me, just give me 30 All right, seconds. that's fine. 
they had, this guy had, they're always Vietnamese or Chinese or Japanese or I don't know what they are, I can't tell the difference, but this guy had um, the little drawstring bags. Oh, yeah. And she said that that way, she, like when somebody buys one, she can put it in a bag. And, oh, I see. Oh, like a little. Yeah. Purchase. I could have gotten writing bags, but that probably wouldn't have been. I'm telling you, we could have cleaned her out if we'd have done the the uh, flea market. Ah, my kneecaps. Ah, mine's been hurting too. You want to see something really cool? Abigail showed me because she has chronic pain apparently. And apparently, it means if you have chronic, you'll have chronic pain sometime. I can't. I can't. I it's this knee. Oh. I can move it. Oh yeah. I can move huh. the kneecap if you put your stand up and put all your weight in your knee. Yeah, I don't want to do that right now. <laughs> well, that it just tells you if you've got a pain. All right. They're like this little. Bags. Oh, nice. How many are there? Mm. Oh, looks okay. They're seven by five. I think they were like sixty. That's nice. That'll be good. Ten dollars too. I'm telling you, we should still do the flea market. I'm not going to do it on my birthday days. You know, the thing that I thought was... We already really talked good. about it, that you could do the two days after. But, you know, I think she couldn't get in now. It's too late. Yeah. But, uh, probably not. No, they have... No, I know. I said probably. It's the 29th and 30th is what we could have done. Yeah. Um, I liked her idea. She said that she sold a bracelet to... Brittany. Brittany. Yeah. She said I could put my. She said I could just splice them on her thingy. There you go. I'll think about. I'll think about it, Grandma. Grandma. Yeah. You and my dad have this lovely thing where you're like, oh, my child has a business. Mine now. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. No, I that's that's a good idea. Do both. Well, uh. Well, we're trying to help you to get cells. Yeah. Well, thank you, but I can handle it. All right. Okay. I've asked multiple times. You're a very independent person. Yes, but you want to take instruction too. Is it, or, I do it whenever it's necessary. All right, well, we're going to get started here. So, yeah, we're going to deal with a tough topic biblically. A lot of people will, who challenge the Christian faith, will address these verses. Because it's, it's uh, in, the, in the title of our lesson is God Commands Genocide? Question mm mark. -hmm. Is it true that God commands genocide? And we're going to deal with that because and we, we do this for an apologetic issue. First off, we're never ashamed of anything in the Bible. So anything that's in the Bible is God's word, and we never back down or apologize for it, but you still you need to be prepared. Because these people will challenge Smell it. pretty consistently on similar things. It smells like hand sanitizer. It's pretty good. Thanks, hon. We're going to get going here. And so... A lot of times I don't people, to right. you don't get to, don't you, you don't want to. A lot of times when people challenge the Christian faith, they'll bring up verses that we're going to cover today. And so we're going to deal with 1 Samuel 15 verses 2 and 3. And this is going to be one of several scriptures where God commanded Israel to completely wipe out a people group, a nation, and I will, we'll deal with this one as a general response to all of them. There's, there's several other occasions where this happened um, regarding the typical challenge to the goodness of the true God in light of these admittingly tough passages. So here's what we're going to uh, we're going to deal with: First Samuel 15, 2 and three. Thus says the Lord of Hosts: I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he set himself against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt. Verse 3, now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has. Now, when we're talking about Amalek, we're talking about the Amalekites. It's a nation. So it's not one person there. So when it's talking about striking Amalek, it's talking about the entire nation of, of the Amalekites or people group. They didn't have a particular boundary like we have in the United States, um, per se, as it was set in stone. And utterly destroy all that he has, and do not spare him. And here's the, here comes the tough part. Put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. And so you have here a command from the Lord. It says, the, the verse opens with, Thus says the Lord of hosts. So this is a quotation from God. And he's commanding the... <laughs> The extinction of this people group, and it doesn't, and it's not just, it's not man, just adults, but it's child and infants, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. And so, when you read that, what would be your uh, reaction to that? 
<laughs> he's mad. He's mad. Yeah, he's bad. But you see how if somebody says, hey, you're God. I said sad. It is sad. But you can see how somebody would say, hey, you're, you're God of the Bible. He commands this. How could you worship a God like who commands the extinction and the, the destruction of children and infants? And so you see why we're dealing with this. Reason. Yes, and we're going to cover. Well, we're going to cover the. Uh, you know, we're going to deal with it biblically, and and this is when you become an apologist in a sense. And when you say apologist, you're not saying, "Well, I'm apologizing. I'm not apologizing for this." I said, I, you know, there's a lot of times when somebody will quote a scripture of or a text of scripture that's tough, and I don't exactly know how to defend it yet. Or you know to explain it you know, as I'd like to, but my first statement usually is if it's if it says it in scripture, I I don't apologize for it. That's God's word. Now we have to work through it because, like I said, if you just quote this and you see this and you're like, you know, hey, look at this. Would you worship a God like this? And it's just a couple of verses out of context. Then you're gonna go, wow, yeah, that God's evil, you know, but. but <coughs> So this is something, and this is a, a, a pretty consistent challenge to the Christian faith. Uh, if you begin to evangelize in, you know, especially in the academic areas, they're going to bring up these things. And this is why we do this, is to prepare ourselves for this. All right, so this, it is vital to remember, so we'll begin with this. It is vital to remember that God has, and I put in bold there, creative ownership over all creation and judicial ownership over those who have willfully sinned. And so, of course, we know that God creates, has created everything, and he sustains everything. And so God owns everything. So you got to start there. He owns every adult. He owns every man and woman. He owns every child and infant. He owns every ox and sheep. He owns every donkey. He owns the ground that we walk on. He owns the air that we breathe. He's There's nothing that's been created that he, does, he hadn't created and of course, we would, I think, be pretty easy to say that he owns it. He, he has the right to do with it as he pleases. Correct? Correct. All right. And so there's the, it's, it's a, the first part is you realize that. But the, but the second part is equally, if not more important, is he has judicial ownership over those who have willfully sinned. So once a person willfully sins one time, James 2.10, James 2.10 says, whoever keeps the whole law, and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all, then every breath occurs only by divine mercy, which can be withdrawn any time and justice imposed. The wages of sin is death, physical death in this world, and the horrific eternal death of the next. So you have two kind of types of, uh, you know, he's created, and he, he owns everything, he sustains everything, and he has, he has the right to require he has the right to obligate people to certain behavior that's why we understand that god's law is not uh, something we can argue with something we can uh, try to mend he has the right to command what he wants to command but also like i said it's important to know if up front that he owns everything and then also on, on a judicial side and a lot of people don't understand this, that once a person has, and we'll maybe do the, I've done an essay on, I don't think we've done this, on the difference between nat natural sin and willful sin. Where we've talked about where we're all born in sin, right? Yeah. We're born with a sin nature. And yet up until a certain point, and we'll deal with this here in a little bit in this essay, essay up to a certain point, you don't willfully sin. A baby doesn't willfully sin. A baby sins. It throws fits, throws things, can hurt you even. But it's not willfully doing that because it hadn't come to a, a condition where it is, he or she is able to reason and, and understand right and wrong and still do the wrong. Make sense? Mm -hmm. But then, once you, you know, some people try and put an age on it. Say once you reach five or once you reach eight or once you reach, and I don't think there's any particular age. There's a condition that a person reaches where they become aware of what they're doing and they do it anyway. And it becomes willful. And so we'll do a whole, it's an interesting, it's a very important. Well, this uh, thing that, 
Yes, that's a biblical. I don't have the exact verse but there. I mean, the, the wages of sin. Sins, right. But it sounds like you're not going to heaven. Right. Okay. Well, yes, the wages of sin is death. Everybody's going to die. Right. I mean, unless you're here at the rapture. But minus that, everybody, Christians will die too because we've been saved from sin, but we sinned. So therefore, we had sins forgiven. But we still, as we talked about a little bit last week, we have the consequences of sin. And one of the consequences of sin, even though we're a Christian, like we talked about last week, if you, if you get saved in jail and you, uh, you don't get let out of jail, just like you get saved as a human being, you will, we will still have to die. Everybody. Right, so so Christians will experience the physical death unless they're here at the rapture, but they won't experience the the second death, which is the worst one. That's obviously the one that where you're judged for your unforgiven sins, and you're thrown into the lake of fire at the white throne judgment. I mean, that just seems like the way you're saying death. Yes, it is. And so, well, the point we're dealing with here is is God is commanding death here. That's what He's doing. And you have to understand, and we understand that that <coughs> anybody who's born in sin or who willfully sins, you're subject to death. But yeah, I, I think you have to distinguish between uh, the natural sin and the willful sin. Welcome to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right. I feel for you. I think we need to get you one of those CPAC things. There you go. Get it out. You need to just blow it out. You need to, You would stop doing that if you stopped holding back. No, I didn't. But I think we need to do the CPAC cleaner thing because I can't imagine that thing being anywhere near hygienic. That wouldn't be a bad idea. I found that one on Amazon for 80. That's what we're going to get you down. Down. What? We've, we've uh, come to a conclusion. We're going to get you a uh, CPAC cleaner, the $80 one. Did you see that? What? Do you see this $80 CPAC cleaner? Can you show me that? that is? I mean, it looks like it. I mean, it's worth trying. You need but to clean since, that thing. Since we've discussed this, I have. I. I, I Greg sent me a package which has about five mask inserts, and these. The good thing about this thing is they're on a circle, and you just push them in. Now they come out easily too, but I put a new one on, and then I washed it two day, uh, day ago. So uh, didn't help. Yeah, it does help a little, but. Too bad you can't just get a new one to start fresh. You need nice. to get a new one and start. I do. Okay. And then we'll get a cleaner little thing that you can do, like but the whatever. Other ones, the other ones I had can be washed. And see if that helps. Because there's no way that that wouldn't affect you if you're sleeping with a dirty man. Yeah. They're not that dirty. But yes, you're right. All right. Where were we? Sin. Willful sin. Sin. The wages Willful of sin. And so. so what I was saying here, the wages of sin are going to in this world and the horrific eternal second death of the next. Yes. There's a day, okay, yeah, that's not for Christians, no. But, well, okay, you're right, I should have discerned that. And that yeah, obviously, Christians, people who have their sins forgiven, are, uh, won't, won't experience the, the second death. That's okay. what we're saved from. That's why I was confused. Okay. Yeah, I should have clarified that. And again, we're dealing, the reason I probably didn't is because we're dealing with the Amalekites, which we can pretty much assume that almost every single one of them, if not every single one of them, were unsaved, and they... And again, we'll we'll deal with uh, the children here. In but a minute. I don't think babies die that are from non-Christian backgrounds are necessary. You're saying you're saying they're forgiven then? I believe they are. Like I believe any 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 child will go through this. That's the next paragraph. 
any child who hasn't willfully sinned that they are shown grace. Any child. It doesn't matter if it's a child of an Islamic person or a Christian person or a Jewish person. That that child that grows up is never going to experience uh, knowledge of Christ. Again, we're talking about they die before. If they die before, they're able to do that, able to be held accountable. Well, I think that's all. That's all debatable. It is debatable. But what would you say? You think just only Christian babies or go to heaven? I think. And that Islamic babies would go to hell. Well, that's where they're headed. Well, so are Christian they babies. Grow up. So are so are children of Christians. Right. There's no difference. That's right. There's no difference between John MacArthur's grandbaby, whoever the you know youngest one would be, and yeah, I think this is clarified in the next paragraph. It is, but I, but I but it's but interesting. Again, that's opinion. Right, but I'm asking your opinion: Is you think that Christian babies are he, are more headed towards heaven than Islamic babies? Well, we've discussed before: if a baby dies and it's not baptized. It probably will be saved. He, it, it, he, she will be saved. But I don't think that the uh, someone is somewhere there's no chance they're ever going to hear the gospel. Well, I that, with yeah, that. I would disagree with that. I agree. I disagree with that. You think somebody born in, let's say, Nepal? It depends on if God has chosen them to be saved. This is, but I believe based on the character of God, the Bible teaches that all who don't reach a condition where they can reasonably recognize their sinfulness and seek a Savior, which are young kids or babies, are covered by the grace of God. Sounds like you're reading my good notes. <laughs> yeah, we'll cover that in a minute, but I just want to probe this a minute because it's important. There are people who think, and I've and maybe you've got this tradition in your background, is that I think even the Westminster Confession of Faith kind of addresses uh, elect babies and non-elect babies and somehow tied into, uh, and this is one, one reason why uh, I, I vehemently oppose infant baptism because it doesn't do anything for the child. And, and, and again, the, every baby is born in sin. And there's no... Right, because ba- he's... Okay. He okay. believes and is baptized. And just because they're baptized doesn't mean they believe. Because obviously it's going to get hope to believe. Right, but I would say that there's no absolutely no advantage to a Christian baby being saved than to an Islamic baby being saved, ultimately. Now again, providentially, okay, well, here's, here's what we do. you got to back up into how who decides who gets saved. Right. And, okay, let's say this. If God has chosen to have mercy on some, on let's say it was whoever it is, let's say who uh, the uh, president Abbas of the uh, Palestinian Authority, his his grandbaby's born in that environment where he's going to raise that child to hate Jews and to hate Christ and to hate you know to to be a Muslim, and you have a baby born in we always use John MacArthur, John MacArthur's family who's who's born into a family who loves Christ and everything else. But God has chosen in his eternal decree for his own purposes to have mercy on the Islamic child and not on MacArthur's grandchild. Who gets saved? Yeah, it's pretty clear. God determines that. Now, on a human level, on a providential level, yes, I think God typically works through that. And on a human level, you'd say, yeah, you'd much rather be born in a Christian family than an Islamic family, statistically speaking. But that really is not an ultimate deciding factor at all. Because, again, this is where where understanding who is decisive in saving faith, the doctrines of Calvinism, you know, doctrines of grace is important because we understand that nobody will come to faith. A Christian, a baby born in the perfect environment is is, is dead in sin and they hate God and, and they if they grow into that and they have to be converted no matter what family you're born in. Again, I'd rather be born into a family that loves Christ and loves gospel, and you hear it, because you got to hear the gospel to be saved. But the ultimate deciding factor in anybody getting saved is God. So would we agree that if God chose to have mercy on the Islamic baby of son, son, grandson of a boss, he's getting saved. And so I don't think there's any advantage, infant-wise, 
to a Christian infant. There's nothing biblical. There's no biblical, uh, and there's really not, as we'll, we'll see here, there's really not a whole lot of biblical information on infant deaths and that. That's why it's, it's debated, because there's a little, but there's not much. And, and God, in His perfect wisdom, has decided not to give us the answer to that. But yeah, we'll read through this and deal with it because it is part of it. It's really kind of the hot button of this, of this, uh, of this, you know, God commanding genocide is where it says child and infant and people would take people back. All right, so as for the children here who haven't willfully sinned, okay, so they were born in sin, but they haven't willfully sinned, we must address the issue of where do babies or any other person, so they're talking about mentally handicapped people who may, may be 50, 60 years old, but they still don't understand. They're not self-aware, and they don't understand sin. Who have never reached a condition of accountability, where do they go after they die? The Bible gives no dogmatic answer on this, but it does give some direction. And we will read that little direction that there is. That is 2 Samuel 12, 23. Oh, wait a minute. So, do some babies who die not go to hell? Some do? That's not my opinion. That's what you're saying. Not yet. We'll, we'll, we'll work okay. through it. And I'll let you, you'll know by the time I'm done with this. All right, so this is 2 Samuel 12. And we'll begin with uh, 21. This is David. Okay, David has done his sin with Bathsheba, had, his, had her husband killed. And then the baby uh, who's born to them ends up getting, you know, God ends up killing this child for the as part of the punishment there. But he was still in the midst of, he was still pleading and, and praying and, and asking for this not to happen because he wanted his child to live, but it died. He died, or I hate to say it for a child, but I'm not sure. I think it's a boy. Uh, but this is uh, verse 21, 2 Samuel 12. Then his servant said to him, What is this thing that you have done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. So David would fast and weep. And plead to the Lord, not that, not you know, that the child wouldn't die. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. So he stopped that, and he said, "While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me, that the child may live." But verse twenty-three. But now he has died. So I'm about this child dying. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? And this is where the very, very little uh, testimony about infants is here. I will go to him. It's talking about David going to his child, but he will not return to me. So it makes it sound like David expects to see his child again in glory. But he will not return. His baby's not going to come back. He's not going to be raised from the dead right now. So that's what he was wanting. He was wanting God to have mercy on the situation and to not punish him. And this was, I can't remember exactly if it was stated or not, but but it was part of the 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 consequences of the sin that he did. He, you know, he slept with another man's wife and he had him killed. And so the child that was born to them died. But you see where he says, he's expecting to see him. He said, I will go to him. He will not return to me. So that's basically all there is in the entire scriptures about an infant who dies with any kind of indication as to where they go. So there's the sum direction. But I believe, based on the character of God, the Bible teaches that all who don't reach a condition, all, so this answers Dad's question, that anybody who doesn't reach a condition where they can reasonably recognize their sinfulness and seek a Savior are covered by the grace of God through the work of the cross and are redeemed. Their natural sin is somehow covered by Christ's work on the cross. Now, I've actually heard people say that all babies, or some babies who die, go to hell. Aside from this seeming to contradict the goodness and love of God, if a baby who died went to hell, they would have no idea why they were there or what they were being punished for. For although they, although they were born, in, born with original sin or they wouldn't have died, that shows you one of the very clear proofs that everybody's born in sin is babies die. And the reason wages of sin is death. So the only reason anybody dies is because of sin. But again, it's the sin nature that they have. They haven't cooperated with that yet. But they didn't willfully commit any sin. They were incapable of doing that. Since hell is conscious torment for willfully committed, unforgiven sins, plural, this would seem to exclude it being occupied by people who didn't willfully commit sins. So to summarize, so I would say in this situation, although God imposes the sentence of physical death, and we're going back to the 
command to wipe out the Amalekites. God imposes the sentence of physical death here on the children and the infants. They are shown mercy in regards to the second death. I agree. And obviously the animals as well. They, there's, animals don't have an afterlife, and so the oxen sheep didn't go to hell either. <laughs> so I think we probably know that. You good enough. Yeah. Yeah, no, or else my bad cat might be in trouble. All right. So you see, that's that's how I deal with it. And they're really, like I said, they're dad's right. There's no dogmatic. I can't say that's absolutely dogmatic, but I just can't possibly fathom uh, God sending babies to hell. You know, because they just they don't they they haven't. But we know for certain if if they grow up, they will eventually rebel, hate God, and they'll need to be converted. And uh, and so that's that's just one of those issues that's tough. And like aborted babies, babies don't even get born. You know, I believe I believe that at conception life begins, and uh, and that you know if a baby gets aborted or miscarried or anything else, that they are they are still alive. And I just can't possibly fathom any any reasonable way a merciful, loving God, although He's holy and just, would have a baby not even get out of the womb and be condemned eternally it just makes absolutely that's offensive to me really but there are people who i respect who who, who kind of gonna you know, that's kind of what we dealt with with what dad said there people say oh yeah christian babies they're they go to heaven and the islamic babies and the other you know no, they, go they go to hell yeah they would have a better shot of becoming christians later on maybe but not ultimately yeah Again, providentially, humanly speaking, yes, but not ultimately, not biblically to the to the what's important, and that is God's grace. Um, so that's tough, and that's but that's kind of how you deal with. Uh, but he owns the child and infant, and he imposes the death penalty on these people. And 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 like I said, in some senses, this is an act of mercy, in my opinion, where I think they're shown grace in the uh, in the second. And the uh, they're not they don't experience the second death. But all right, now we'll continue on. Now where are you going? Get him out. Coffer. Huh? Coffer out. But the primary matter we're gonna do what we're dealing with here and other similar ones, which we'll probably go back and review Acts five. You you know the story of Ananias and Sapphira, how they they lied to the. Go. The, you you, you know that story. The Hunter. Acts chapter five. You Ananias. Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira. Are you went out. He doesn't. Just leave him be. <laughs> the dog makes everybody tap dance. <laughs> Yeah, can you? You get distracted too easy. Yeah, you sure do. Sit. Sit. We're <laughs> Bible study. Yeah, don't look for us to get up. He didn't come. Yeah, he's fine. He looks at you funny. That's all. He just looks at you funny every now and then. Yeah. He turns his head. Yeah, it's like, hey, I need something. All right, but the primary matter of what we're dealing with here is that God has the right to impose judgment on any sinner or group of sinners anytime he wants and in any fashion he wants. All right, and I guess we'll read uh, the... All right, well, we'll come back to that and we must also remember the long suffering and kindness of God towards sinners. Romans 2 4 says this. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? So God is kind and tolerant and patient of sinners. In Romans 9, 22, it talks about, it says, What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? 
and that's dealing with Romans 9, dealing with election, and it's talking about how how he's made some people, he created some people to have mercy on them, created some people on them to demonstrate his justice. But even in the midst of the ones he has determined to have to 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 justly condemn, he he patiently gives them opportunity to repent, and he endures with them. We went, I think we did a lesson a long time ago about the kindness of God, the long suffering of God, and how it is more than we can possibly fathom. And what the problem is is we, as corrupted sinners, even Christians, our minds don't see the wickedness and the vileness of sin as God does because he's perfectly holy. And so we see these acts of justice that God does and they strike us a little bit, and we'll read, we'll read through this in a minute, they strike us because we don't understand the depth of sin. We don't understand the depth of, depth of our own sin, let alone people God have turned over, a whole nation here that God has turned over to their wicked actions. And we're going to see some of the wicked actions that these people are performing. All right. But we have to understand that the Bible teaches God is long-suffering and kind. So he acts either justly, okay, like here, like in the, com the command to wipe out the Amalekites, that's justice, or mercifully, never unjustly. God never acts unjustly towards anybody. God will never condemn anybody who doesn't deserve to go to hell. You can, I can assure you of that. There's not one person who, won't, who will go to hell that doesn't hate God and have, have they have been given opportunity to repent. I promise you that. And that's why when we deal with babies, I think it's clear that they don't have the opportunity to repent because they don't even understand what they who they are. Um, but God doesn't act unjustly. And so a lot of, you know, when you see condemnation, you see just dealing with the eternality of hell, it can cause, you know, it took me a while to kind of come to grips with that. You know, a, a finite amount of time of life, eternal condemnation. You know, you have to sort through that. And I have written on that topic as well because, you know, one thing about that is when a, when a person goes to hell, they continue to hate God. As that in, you know, and so there is a sense in which the cycle of there's always new sin to be judged. Again, you are judged according to your life here, but the process of hating God and, and, it continues and and when they're judged but that's a different subject we could cover that maybe we'll do that peachy subject next week <laughs> we're back to back we'll do christmas themes here genocide and hell all right but um but seriously but when god removes his temporal mercy on sin it seems severe that's because we, even Christians, are corrupted and clouded by sin and fail to fully see its true offensive nature before God. And so there's these acts, and we'll, we'll go back now to uh, Acts chapter 5 and deal with Ananias and Sapphira. But a, nan, a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge, and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. So it was the early church. They all had property, and they had agreed to sell it, and they said that they were going to give all, all with the, everything that they got for the property to the apostles. But they kept back a little bit of it. But Peter said, so that's what they did. They had property, and they sold it, and they had promised to give everything they had from the sale. They didn't have to do that. They didn't. There was no requirement for them to sell the property or to say, they could have said, well, we'll give half to the church. Half we'll keep for ourselves, and that would have been fine. But they said, we we're going to give it all. And they wanted the, uh, you know, everybody to look at them and say, wow, look how great much they gave. That was probably the intention there. But you see, they didn't even have to sell it, and they didn't have to give all of it, but they said they were going to. And then, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? So he said, you didn't have to sell it. And after it was sold, was it not under your control? So whatever money they received for it, they did not. They were not obligated to give all of it, but they said they would. There's the key. Um, why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have lied, not lied to men, but to God. And so that, that's so you think all right that's not that big a deal. They did give some to the church. They just kept a little back for themselves. Yeah, it's not. They said they were going to give it all, but hey, you know, 
But here was here's what their punishment was. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came over all who heard it. The young men got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. All right, now there lapsed an, an interval of about three hours, and his wife came back. So here comes Sapphira. Or, uh, Sapphira. And his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. So she didn't know their husband was dead, didn't know that she got caught in the lie. And Peter responded to her, tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, yes, that was the price. So she went along with the lie. She, she said, well, here, everything we got from it, we gave to you. We didn't keep anything back for ourselves. And she lied. And Peter said, tell me, uh, all right. Then Peter said to her, why is it that you have agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her alongside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who had heard of these things. There's, I know, I mean, but it shows there's an act of justice. And so, yeah, our response there is, you know, you know, whoa, that's kind of an overreaction, but it's not an overreaction. That shows you how serious God takes sin. And anytime we would say even a white lie, even as a Christian, he could end our, I mean, he has cause to end our life anyway, anytime he wants, but, but that's how holy God is, is that he, if he imposes his justice on anybody, we're all in trouble. And that's why the Bible says that, you know, if, if in the, a lot of times the apostles look at Jesus and say, is anybody going to get saved? I mean, they, because they understood like, well, this is just incredible. And then that's when Jesus says, with men, this is impossible. With God, it is possible. You know, with, with God, all things are possible. And so it takes an act of God to save, obviously. But you see here, that, but that is just. You understand that? That they lied, and the, and the wages of sin is death, and God just decided in his, for his purposes very likely to, to uh, put the fear of God in the other church members. Every day, practically, we could Nobody else. Over. Oh, yeah. I mean, if God, like I said, if God determined that. Now, we don't live in fear of that because we, you know, we understand we are, we're humbled by the fact that we still struggle with sin. But it does show you that, yeah, God takes sin very seriously. And yeah, I remember uh, Pastor Faith one time saying, to, I think it was to Tyler, he's like, God will kill you or something. And I was like, whoa, easy. You, know, you don't, want, don't want to make, that's not the first thing that God does. I, again, God is long-suffering and kind, but it's always important to know that he has the judicial right over any sinner who's ever willfully sinned one time, Christian or not. I found that Oh, yeah? And, of course, my answer was you, but mine was easy. But uh, Trudy and her husband and Pastor Faith and Carolyn had been friends for a long time. Okay. And they were at another church. Yeah. I'd heard, I'd heard the... the uh... And Pastor Faith was asked to go to some church, and he, he didn't for some reason. And so he was asked at this one. But they... She was... Her husband was a pastor at some small, real small church, she said, for a while. And uh, before he died. Okay. Yeah, I'd heard most of the uh, story about how a lot of them came down the street from, there was a little church down the yeah. street, and they had yeah. a big conflict or something. Well, there. A couple of race ones. Yeah. It was too big, they said. Yes, indeed. Okay, I'm sorry. No problem. I, just thought that I didn't know how they all ended up there. So did her husband come to Chelsea? Was her husband there before he died? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think Trudy came not so long yeah. ago. Yeah. After us, after me. Yeah. All right. So we get the sub. We get the the uh, very clear again. This is well, a lot of times I'll use in evangelism. Is I'll say, you know, the Bible teaches that if you willfully committed one sin, you're condemnable, and that's what it teaches. James two ten, Galatians three ten, and uh, the fact that the, the human race fell for one sin. Adam committed one sin and was over. There wasn't a second chance for that. And so that just shows you the and it's just that's where that we we I can't and I can't as much as I try to 
fully comprehend the justice of one sin being eternally condemnable, but I believe it with all my heart because that's what the Bible teaches. And I understand the problems with my heart and my mind. That's what I just said. Yeah. There's a lot of times you have to, in a good attitude to have, and this is what we're talking about when we first started, is you have to have the attitude of this is God's Word. We submit to it, even if we struggle with it, because He knows what He's doing. We don't. Um, But you still have to, to deal with these issues. All right, we must also consider the, and here we'll deal with a little bit more of the extreme wickedness of the nations God commanded Israel to wipe out. So there's more than one time this happened. Their practices are described to be abominable in Scripture. All right, Leviticus 18, 22 through 24. We'll read through that, and you'll see some of the practices these nations practiced. All right. This is Leviticus 18. I'll actually begin with verse 21. You shall not give any of your offering to, or give any of your offspring to offer them to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Some of these people are offering their children, their infants, to this false god Molech. Verse 22: You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is it is an abomination. So they're practicing homosexuality. Verse 23, also you shall not have intercourse with any animal to be defiled with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. Verse 24, do not defile yourselves by any of these things, for by all these the nations which I am casting out before you have become defiled. So you see a lot of these nations that he is commanding them to conquer, these are some of the things they practiced. Baby sacrifice, homosexuality, animal or bestiality, and these were just ongoing things. And so that's how they lived, these people. And so it kind of makes the judgment on on this nation. Again, we all, I'm not condescending towards anybody, including the Amalekites here, but that's what they were practicing. And these were pure, pagan, wicked nations that God had turned over. All right? So you see, they were practicing some pretty evil things. In this instance, you see in verse 2 above, it also is a response to what they did to Israel on their way out of Egypt. It says, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he set himself against him on the way. So they, they opposed Israel when they were coming out of Egypt. And I put in quotation there, and many of them knew how God had miraculously delivered them, giving them even more light. So they knew who they were opposing. They intentionally set themselves against God and his chosen nation. And so not only did they, uh, well, all right, we'll keep going here. Sin has consequences, individual and collective. These are pagan nations who, as a whole, have set themselves against God and the general revelation he gives to all, Romans 1. So we've talked about it. There's nobody innocent. God gives and makes himself known through creation and conscience to everybody, including pagan nations who never hear the gospel. That's why they're held. It leaves them without excuse. Everybody knows there's the there's the one true God in some sense, not in a saving sense, but it holds them without excuse. And so that includes everybody here, except I believe the child, children and infants. Um, but in, in addition to that, they were also they actually very likely knew of the miraculous events God used to on Pharaoh to free them out of Egypt, including parting the Red Sea. And so they had more light than just general revelation, likely. So they are anything but innocent, but hate the true God. They hate the true God. And so these are not just like, oops, oh, you know, we're just in the way here and I'll kill them. They are opposing the true God. All right. And God also intends, and this is a key element to why he wants to wipe them all out and not leave any remnants of children or anything. Uh, God also intends to protect his people from being polluted by their demonic practices that we listed in what we just read through. So a lot of the reasons that God would command a complete uh, you know, obliteration of these people is because God didn't want them intermingling with their wicked practices. There was a, a separation Israel had with the Gentile nations for that reason. Um, and... And, and also, this is a this is a, has an application to us as well, where God says in James one twenty seven, 
James 1.27, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And so we have the same command here. Now again, we're not talking about a specific nation here. You know, we, we're one nation, we stay out of this, you know, we don't intermingle, it's not that way anymore. But we are commanded not to be polluted by the world. This is why we got to constantly be careful in this country. You know, materialism and so many things can war with our minds. And we are called to be, and I get called, you know, consistently of being, because I used to be just kind of like half-hearted about that battle. And now I take it very serious because I understand what it can do to you. It does to your spiritual life. If you're not growing in spiritual life, it's probably living where we live is because we're polluted by the world around us and we're spending more time chasing the what the world is chasing and man is that's that's a tempting thing around here like i said that's why i really struggle and battle against going shopping a whole lot and i battle against entertainment a whole lot and i battle against sports a whole lot and again i'm not putting these on anybody else specifically but those are things that draw you away draw you away and so we are called to be I mean, our first, second, third, fourth, fifth priority should be the Lord. And then everything we interact with, you know, when you go shopping, you should have the Lord in your mind. Otherwise, guess what's going to happen? You end up getting corrupted by all that stuff around you. The music, I mean, just the music in a store can make my mind go crazy now. Christmas Carol? No. The pop music they play. And I'm just going, man, I just want to get out of here. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to prop myself. I'm just saying I've just learned the hard way. It's just... I'm tired of the Christmas girls. Yeah, I know it all that and the you know, Santa and all that stuff and it's just all bye, bye, bye and and you can and you just easily can get your mind turned into it. And like I said, I'm not condemning entertainment and or I, I mean I'm saying No, I think everybody knows it's gotta be Yeah, it's you just gotta be real careful. Because it because nobody is exempt from being polluted by the world. No matter how you could be the fifty year fifty year Christian. Or day one, and you're gonna you can be polluted by the world, sure. and and they Satan and his system they know what they're doing, and if you're not wearing the armor of God and you're not your mind's not right with the Lord, your priorities you will be polluted by the world, and so that was another clear lesson of this to the Israelites is to be separate from them. I never thought of that. These kids when they put their earphones on, they're not putting them on to. I mean, we're supposed to not allow it to do that, but they're not, they're not listening to nice little music. No, very likely it's vile. <laughs> and that's one thing when I was growing up, I remember you, even even all of us probably not a Christian then, I remember you telling me uh, the gangster rabbis this too. You're like, that stuff affects your mind. I'm like, oh, no, no. Oh, I did. It did badly. It was bad enough that I was unconverted, and, and the pop music is bad enough, but I was listening to stuff that was just vile. And it did. It, I mean, I, it may have turned me into a monster. See, our parents used to say that you can't listen to Elvis Presley because he, you got to put something over the bottom part of his body. Yeah, and I agree. Sense. Back then, he was the... He was. I remember my dad saying, oh, my gosh. I'm like, really? The times have changed, haven't they? But, <clears throat> but we are called, and you have to guard. You just have to guard. If you're not guarding, I always say this, or I've tweeted this a few times, if you're in a spiritual war, whether you know it or not, or whether you're fighting or not. Well, the social media thing is just gone. Yeah. But, I mean, daily, you are, as a Christian, in a spiritual war. And if you're not fighting, you're still in a war. You're just losing because you're not fighting. And that's hard because you get weary. You wake up and you're like, oh, not today. Oh, not today. I don't want to fight today. I want to have a day off. But the, the flesh doesn't take a day off. Demons don't take a day off. And so Why we is just, that? So true. I know. Well, like I said, the guy, and it's another thing. I, sometimes I, Lord, why did it have to be this hard? Yeah. But he knows what he's doing. And he'll be vindicated in the end. Um, and so, yeah, I've often asked, you know, why did it have to, why did you have to create demons? <laughs> that makes it hard enough with our own flesh. But he he will. He will be vindicated in everything that he does eventually. All right. God will not, as we say, God will not condemn anybody who doesn't hate him. I got a couple of verses here. Matthew twelve thirty. 
All right, he who is Jesus, this is Jesus saying, he who is not with me is against me, and he who do, he who does not gather with me scatters. So a lot of people, there's no neutrality to Christ. You're either converted or you are a child of the devil. There's no neutral. Yeah. Now again, I think you got to grow into that. A baby's not actively opposing Christ, but they will eventually. Um, and so that's the clear dividing line is is you know if you don't love Christ, you probably you hate him. And even if you don't say, you may not even be completely aware that you hate hate God, but you do. As, as an unbeliever. Don't you wonder why God is allowing this political mess? I wonder that. I know that's totally off the wall here. But, I mean, well, no, it's not. It, I mean, if you sit back and look at this political mess, I mean, here's the president. Yeah, he's got a lot of faults. But he's done wonders for the country. And yeah, he really does put America first, I do believe. Yeah. And, and then you got these wackos that want socialism and... Yeah. I mean, what He's is it? I don't know specifically God's ordained will. Don't you wonder those will. What? Well, I, you know, I tend to lean towards... If he just withdraws his mercy a little bit here and there, then things like this will happen. And that he... I count, I count it as a reprieve going from Obama to Trump and who knows what's next. That it's at least a, a reprieve, yeah. in in some sense. Now again, Donald Trump's not a Christian, no. but some people think he is. He's not, um, but politically, and and the fact that he treats Israel very well, and I agree with. I think he's the best president I've ever seen. He, in my opinion, it's a kind of a crazy thing. I think he's the best president we've ever had. Period. We, we've got but more people hate him, and he's there. He doesn't do himself any favors no, with his mouth. And, not at all. Uh, but all these trees that he's, you know, he's investigated that have been so corrupt and against us and we've just gone on doing them and he's changed all that yeah he's done a lot i think he's done a lot of political good but you know the the, the left and they're they're not going to give up and it's and why, why are they so it just ah. i mean we've always had differences of opinion i didn't like obama they think it's the best thing that ever happened they want to go back to that yeah well i mean i'm just talking about but we as republicans or conservatives didn't go nonstop attack on him. No, again, I'm I'm a Republican, but uh, I don't find a, a solution in the Republican Party either. But politically, yes, I much I definitely agree with them, and I, th and I do think the Democratic Party has gotten excessively evil in the way they do abortion and whether you know in yeah. the homosexuality and all those issues that it's almost. It is incredible that, but it's not. You know, I don't. I don't get. I don't wrap myself up in politics anymore, hardly at all. I pay enough attention just to kind of know what's going on, but it does surprise me, and it doesn't worry me. A lot of people, a lot of Christians, I think, make the the mistake of putting too much hope in the Republican politics because they're why? Because we have idolatry of comfort. We <laughs> and I hey, I struggle with it too. I don't want the left to take over and to destroy our country because I like the way we have the, the uh, standard of living we have. Well, and the Constitution. We follow the Constitution. Yeah. So I will see how, like I said, I'm more interested in Middle Eastern activities than I am anything. And what's going on over there is, is incredibly... I can't imagine living like that. It's now, been going on over there for a long time. It has been going on over there for a long time. I mean, just can you imagine living a natural life in Israel? Is, oh, I come from Saudi Arabia. I mean, yeah. geez. I don't know. Okay. So time will tell. Time will tell what how, how this. But God knows what he's, he's he. And this is where our trust is. Is is this is why you shouldn't get freaked out. No matter what happens to Trump. No matter what happens to Netanyahu. No matter what happens to any of this, on a political human level, we understand that God's orchestrating everything. He's over it all. And whatever he's doing, he, we don't know exactly why, you know, per se. But you can see, you can look in, at the end and you see he does give us prophecy. He tells us how it ends. He gives us a lot of details on how it ends. And, and we are, it's very clear that eschatologically towards the end of the age, whenever that is, whether that's very soon, which I think it is, or whether it's 1,000 years from now or 10,000 years from now, it gets worse. It doesn't get better. So it shouldn't be surprising. 
the iniquity raises. It's, it's called birth pangs. They're just like when a woman, you know, when you go start going to birth pangs, they start increasing. And then and once it hits a certain level, you know, and we we may or may not be in the eschatological birth pangs. Now I think I think we probably are. The earthquakes and all these things going on every day is something more insane. But time, only God knows whether we're close or not. But we know we shouldn't be surprised. A Christian should not be surprised unless you have a, a wrong eschatology where you think it's going to get better. People actually think that. But the Bible teaches it gets way worse. And then, of course, I believe after the rapture of the church, it gets way, 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 way worse, but it's primarily dealing with the Jewish nation then. And so we'll just have to see how it goes. But it's 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 interesting. You're right. I I try not to get too caught up in it, but it's oh, it can upset you terribly. Yeah, it can. Oh yeah, if you put your hopes on it, you know, it, upset you it will because it'll it has to crumble. But going back to the uh, dividing line of Christ, uh, John seven seven says he says the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. Uh, and he's talking about, he was talking to his unconverted um, half-brother at the time, James. Do we have that here? No, I'm just reading this. But the point there is that the world hates Christ. If you're not converted to him, they hate him because he testifies, and God, you know, the Father, testifies that the deeds are evil. There's where the hatred comes from for Christ, because he exposes sin. And people love their sin, and they hate anybody or anything that opposes their sin. And so that's why if you preach, if you live godly, you'll be persecuted. If you preach the true gospel, you'll end up being persecuted because it confronts people with their sin. And and there it is. There it is. Love for sin creates hatred for anything that opposes it. All right, so to summarize, so if God at times determines collective justice, which is what we're dealing with here, if God has commanded Israel to wipe out this people group, then that's exactly what it is, just. Okay, now remember the flood. Remember the Noah's, flood, Noah's Ark flood? That, well, guess what that was? That was collective justice. He killed everybody on the planet except, how many were on there? Eight? Mm -hmm. Noah and his wife and his children. I think it was eight, but I'm not exactly sure. Wow. So there's that's the same thing what we're dealing with here. But that was through the means of water instead of it, using Israel. The instrument of his judgment on him on Amalek was Israel. Instrument on his judgment on the human on the human race, except for eight people, was water. And the collective justice that will be executed at the second coming of Christ. This is uh, one of the verses that when he returns, Revelation nineteen thirteen says, He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So when Jesus returns, his he will be his robe will be dipped in blood. Be, he's gonna slaughter people. When he returns. And so the judgment of God is nothing new. And it shouldn't take us by surprise. And so when you when you look at the content, when you look at the, what we're dealing with here in 1 Samuel 15, compared to the, to the flood and to the judgment of Christ, to the white throne judgment, all these judgments that God will, it kind of makes that sound, okay, I understand that a little more. That God is holy and he's just and he will, he will, he will, he actively opposes sin, and he has the right to, to implement justice anytime he wants, through any means he wants, whether it be a nation. And a lot of times, if we've been through, God would punish Israel through pagan nations. It would be the opposite of this. He'd bring in Assyria or whoever else to punish them, to exile them. But the difference is, that was his chosen nation, so he, it wasn't total elimination. He's always kept the remnant of Israel alive. That's why we have Israel today, and you don't see the Amalekites today. You don't see the any of the other rights today. He's got to completely wipe them out eventually. All right. So the judgment of God is nothing new, but again, it is always just. We should rather thank him for his mercy, temporal or eternal, that no one deserves. And so, so instead of saying, wow, you know, God's pretty severe here, we actually should say, wow, thank you, Lord, for not doing that to us. Because anybody, anybody who's a Christian... Could have died in their sin before he showed mercy to them and granted them you know when you're when you're saved you're covered by the righteousness of Christ you're covered by his perfect life and all of your sins were dealt justice on the cross 
And you, you receive that by faith. You humble yourself, you repent, you confess your sinfulness from your heart to God, and you believe who Jesus is. He's truly man, he's the one true God. And you trust only in his work, his perfect life, death for sins, resurrection for salvation. That's mercy. And that offer of mercy goes out to anybody who will receive it still to this day. But no one deserves that mercy. Very good. So I hope this puts that... that I like your uh, worksheets a lot. Well, I appreciate it. God has been kind to me. Well, I appreciate that, but it's as bad as the summary gifts. Link on your phone. Oh, yeah, I'll tell them about oh, the link. The link. There's a, the link. There's a link to, to website. You can get all of these things that I've written. All these things are on. I'd rather just do this. Okay. Well, you can read them anytime you want. They're on Crosscut Commentaries. One word. Dot. Simple. Side. Dot. Com. Praise the Lord. Make her a short.